So there were two guys that their wives wanted to take them Christmas shopping. They were next door neighbors, and so they said, well, no, we're going sailing. And so the two of them went out on a, on a sailboat, and uh, while they were out there, a terrible storm came up. And uh, well, the waters got rough, and the waves were rough, and the sea was pretty choppy, and it was difficult to keep the boat under control. In fact, they actually hit a sandbar, had to get out of the boat to push the, the boat off the sandbar to get it back in the water, but the waves just continued to get larger all the time. And finally, at one point, it knocked one of the guys completely off his feet, and the other guy said, you know, hey, this, this didn't turn out so good, I'm sorry. And he said, well, at least we didn't have to go Christmas shopping with our wives. So there are some good things in everything. Most guys love Christmas, but they absolutely hate shopping. You know, they just don't want to be any part of that. Guys, when it comes to celebrating holidays, Christmas takes the prize. I mean, think about it. All the other holidays get a single day. But Christmas is celebrated for an entire month. And during the Christmas season, listen to this, it's estimated that 2.2 billion people around the world will set aside their normal routines to decorate their homes, to send out cards, to buy gifts, to go to parties, to sing Christmas carols, to bake cookies, and to travel long distances to celebrate with their families. I just think, when you, when you stop and think about this, I just think it's amazing that the unassuming birth of a peasant boy born 2,000 years ago in the Middle East has caused so much commotion today. Think about it. Even your birthday is dated by his birthday. Every time you look at a calendar or every time you write a check or set an appointment, you're using Jesus Christ as your reference point. History was divided B.C. before Christ and A.D. Anno Domini, which is in the year of our Lord is what A.D. means. Friends, the birth of Jesus Christ is, divided, uh, is the dividing point of world history. The creation of the calendar as we know it today was not just a chronological convenience, but it was an example that life is not an accident. It was not a random cycle, but it's a, it, it is, listen, it's a story with a storyteller. And it's a very important event, and that story is the story of God entering our world as that baby in a manger, and we call it the Christmas story. And when it came time for God to clothe his son in humanity, how he would name this child would be extremely important, much more important than we probably give it credit for. And I find it interesting that God didn't leave the naming of his son up to Mary and Joseph. Instead, he sent an angel to make sure that Mary got it right. And if you remember the Christmas story, he later sent another angel to Joseph to make sure he got it right. You see, in the first century, names were very significant. They were much more important than they are today. Names describe something about this individual. When you're giving somebody a name, it's a, especially in the first century, it was a description of this person, which is why God gave his son so many different names. They're literally... There's uh, tens of names, maybe hundreds of names if you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament for the, name, for the name that we give to Christ or the name that we give to the Savior of the world, Jesus. All of them help us to understand his character and nature. They help us to understand who he was. I want us to look at just five. Five of those names which I think will give us a great insight into who this child was that was born in Bethlehem. Now the first name I want us to look at is the name the angel gave both Mary and Joseph. In Matthew chapter one, it says she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. 
because he will save his people from their sins. So it came to pass on the night in Bethlehem when the stars were shining and the angels were singing, I'm sure somebody asked the question, hey, what's your baby's name? And Mary and Joseph looked at each other and responded, his name is Jesus. Of all the names the Son of God is known by today, I would tell you that I think Jesus is probably the most endearing and cherished name. The name of Jesus, listen to me, the name of Jesus appears well over 900 times in the New Testament, and it simply means Jehovah saves. Jehovah saves, or the Lord of salvation. So his name, that's the point I'm trying to make, his name actually explains why he came. Which, to say, which was to save people from their sins. Look at it in Luke chapter 19. It says, for the Son of Man came, why? To seek and to save those who were lost. We also know that there's power in the name of Jesus. In John chapter 14, you ask, you, yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Guys, there's healing in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. You know, there is a, there's an old chorus that some of you will remember. It was written by Bill and Gloria Gaither, so it's, it's several decades old, and some of you will remember. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, the, the, the sound, there's something about, yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, there's something about that name. It's an old, old chorus, but if you've ever heard it, in the middle of that chorus, there was a narration. And I love the narration, and it basically says this, Jesus, the mere mention of his name can calm the storm, heal the broken, and raise the dead. At the name of Jesus, I've seen sin-hardened men melted, derelicts transformed, the lights of hope put back into the eyes of a hopeless child. At the name of Jesus, hatred and bitterness turn to love and forgiveness. Arguments cease. I've heard a mother softly breathe his name at the bedside of a child delirious from fever. And I've watched that little body grow quiet and the fevered brow cool. I've sat beside a dying saint, her body racked with pain, who in those final fleeting seconds summoned her last ounce of ebbing strength to whisper earth's sweetest name, Jesus, Jesus. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophies have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed it. And yet still it stands. And there shall be that final day when every voice that has ever uttered a sound, every voice of Adam's race, shall raise in one great mighty chorus to proclaim the name of Jesus. For in that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Ah, so you see, it was not mere chance that caused the angel one night long ago to say to a virgin maiden, his name shall be called Jesus. Only two syllables, five letters, pronounced the same in almost every language. Jesus. If you remember in that same dream, the angel gave Joseph another name. I want us to look at it in Matthew 1, the 23rd verse. He says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us, Emmanuel. You see, God came to Bethlehem. God came to Bethlehem to make it clear that while you have never been able to see me before, he's saying to the world, I want you to understand that I'm always with you. 
Jesus is saying, I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. You see, there is never a time that I am not with you or or at your sight. No matter where you are, no matter where you go, no matter what you face, good or bad, I will be with you. Guys, haven't we all had those moments we wonder, how in the world am I going to make it? Well, God wants us to know that he is always with us. Of course, he certainly never promised that it would always be easy. I know that there are times that people say, well, listen, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm just telling you, Steve, what I'm going through right now is very difficult, it's very hard. I thought for a Christian everything was supposed to be wonderful. That's certainly not what the Scripture says. Jesus made it clear that we would go through difficult times in our life. He certainly never promised that it would always be easy or that there would never be storms, but he did promise that he'd go with us through the storms of life and that he would work it out for our good. One of my favorite scripture passages is found in Romans chapter eight, the 28th verse, that simply says, and we know that in all things, not some things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That's not telling us that everything's gonna be good. If If that's what you're reading, you're misreading the verse. It's not saying that everything's gonna be good, but it's saying that God's gonna take the bad things of our life, and if we'll trust him, God's gonna take the things that the devil meant to use to hurt you, and if you'll trust him, he promises to work those things out together for our good. One of my favorite passages, whenever I'm going through a difficult time, in fact, I, I have a card that I have this verse printed on, and I oftentimes give it out to people, but it's Isaiah chapter 41.10. It might be one that would be good to write down. Whenever you struggle, whenever you feel alone, look at that passage. In Isaiah 41, it says, don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. In fact, several times in the, book, in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, he repeats that encouragement over and over again where he says, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not fear for I'm with you. Listen to me, guys. When you get a hold of that promise, you will begin to experience a peace that only God can bring in your life. It's a peace that the Bible says passeth all comprehension. It's a peace that the world can, the scripture says it's a peace the world cannot understand because it's a peace directly given from God. A third name or a third title that God gave the baby really might surprise you. And that name is simply the Word. The Word. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, John takes a different approach. When it comes to the Christmas story, John takes a different approach than Matthew did or than Luke did. He doesn't get into the details about the angels or the shepherds. He doesn't talk about Mary and Joseph. He simply says, look at it in verse 14, he simply says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. It said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word then became flesh and lived among us. That's John's way, guys. That's John's way of describing the birth of Christ, the birth of Jesus. The Word of God made flesh. You know, over the years, 
I've talked with several people who maybe they don't attend church, but if you ask them, they'll say they believe in God, and oftentimes they'll tell you how much they love God. And while that may be true, I don't know, I would just love to hear more about this God they say they believe in. I would like to ask the question, well, what's he like to you? What, what, what do you really know about him? What, what do you know about his nature or his character? What do you know about his love or, or his heart? What do you know about his grace or his mercy? Guys, here's the point that I'm trying to make. Do you really know him? Are you reading his word? Are you spending time communicating with him in prayer? Because seriously, if you're not even reading about him or talking to him, then how can you really know him? In Colossians chapter three, it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitudes in your heart. You see, John, guys, John is trying to help us see that Jesus wants to be known by us. He wants to understand, he wants us to understand who he is to understand his heart, to understand his character. And when you think about it, is that really so unusual? Aren't we all wired the same way? We want to love and be loved. We want to know and be known. There are people in my life, listen, there are people in my life that I love and I care about, and therefore, I want them to love and care about me. You know, when I fell in love with Sandy, my wife, so many years ago, I I wanted to know everything about her, and I wanted her to know everything about me. Well, guys, that's how God is. He loves us, and he knows all about us, and he just wants us to know him. He wants us to be in relationship with him. Friends, God created us to be in relationship with him. God created us to be in fellowship with him. It's another reason, when you stop and think about it, it's another reason why he came, to reveal himself to us in the flesh, to live among us as man. Why? So that we could see for ourselves who he was. So that we could see for ourselves his nature and his character. So we could see how much this guy really loved us. Let's look at another name that Jesus was given, and that's found in Luke chapter 2. And it says, today your Savior was born in the town of David. This is what I want you to see. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. Those are actually two separate names, but they're oftentimes in the Bible used together to describe Jesus by these early Christians. We know the name, for instance, we know the name of Christ appears more than 500 times in the New Testament. Some translate some of your Bibles, if you read that scripture, instead of the word Christ, it uses the word Messiah, which is the Hebrew version that appears 60 different times. The word Lord, Christ the Lord, the word Lord appears over 500 times in the New Testament. So friends, here's my point. Over a thousand times these words were used to describe to us who Jesus is. So you see this baby born in Bethlehem? Well, friends, he is Christ the Lord. Christ is a term that means anointed one, a king set aside by God, chosen by God to be the deliverer of his people, to rule over his people. And the word Lord literally means sovereign or master. Jesus is the ruler and Lord of all creation, set aside by God to be our king. Listen, guys, to be a Christian is to be what? It's to be a Christ follower. 
So if you profess to be a Christian, it means to be a Christ follower. Are you truly following Christ? It's to say, Jesus, my, my heart's desire is to do your will. My heart's desire is to live for you, to honor you in all that I do. Guys, we need to recognize this baby in Bethlehem came to be the Lord of all creation. And when we seek to follow him, we find, listen, we find a quality of life that we will not find anywhere else. Too often, we, we want to be the Lord of our lives. We want to be the ruler of our lives. We want to be the boss of our lives, to sit on the throne of our lives. We have our own selfish wants and desires. We want to live for our own self-gratification. And so we put ourselves on the throne. We make sacrifices, for instance, to climb the corporate ladder, only to find it didn't bring us the joy or the fulfillment that we thought it would. And now later in life, we can't believe that we have sacrificed our kids' activities or sacrificed our friendships for this. Or maybe we get midpoint in our life and we wonder, is that it? Seriously, is that all there is to life? I'm just telling you the answer is no. No, that's not all there is. There is something more. And that's really what the Christmas story is all about. Jesus says, if, if, if you have a red letter Bible, these words are in red because these are the words of Jesus in John chapter 10. He said the thief's purpose, the thief is Satan or, or the devil. He said the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. That's his goal for you. He's out to destroy you, no matter who you are. Jesus said, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. It's God saying, look, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for your life if you'll just follow me, if you'll just trust me. There are so, listen, guys, there are so many more names than the one we covered today. We just covered five of them. But you go into the Old Testament, the New Testament, you start putting them all together, there's, there's probably close to 100 different names that are talked about throughout Scripture. Uh, let me give you an example of another in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can you see that all of these names describe to us his character, describe to us his nature or who he is? So as Savior... He's worthy of our praise. As Christ, he is worthy of our dependence. As Lord, he is worthy of our obedience. As Jesus, he is worthy of preeminence. Guys, there's one more name that I want to mention to you today before I close, and that's the name of Savior. Look at it again in Luke chapter 2. It says, today your Savior was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord. This also goes back to the angel and Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. It says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. I, <clears throat> I found this years ago, actually a couple decades ago on a Christmas card, and I've seen it several times since, and you may have seen it, but it's, it simply says this, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, well, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, then God would have sent us an economist. 
But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. Friends, do you really understand that every single one of us, I, I, I don't care, you may be a great man or a great uh, woman, and, and I get that. You're, you're a good person. But the Scripture is clear that every one of us have sinned against God. Every one of us have messed up. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, he says, for all, not some, not most, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room have messed up at one time or another. And you go forward three chapters to Romans 6.23, and it says, for the wages or the penalty or the price of sin is what? It's death. You and I, we deserve to die for the sin that's in our life. But, but, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm sure there are some of you that, you know, I, I don't know your experiences, and, and I, I may not know you all well, but I'm sure in this room there are some of you that filled over, you feel overwhelmed with guilt because of some regret, because of some mistake that you possibly made in the past, maybe recent past. Maybe you messed up a marriage or a relationship with your kids. Maybe you actually broke the law, and now you're paying for it. Possibly you need something or you said something or you, you did something that really hurt somebody important to you. It hurt a friend. It, it, it hurt a family member deeply. And man, you've probably apologized a dozen times and asked them to forgive you a dozen times, but you still feel the pain. You still feel the regret. And if we were in conversation, you might say to me, Steve, I've really screwed things up. You know what? I, I have shamed God and I have shamed my family. What in the world am I supposed to do? Well, I can tell you we serve a loving and forgiving God, a God that absolutely wants to be in relationship with you. In Acts chapter 16, it says, he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. In Romans 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart and Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Friends, again, I'm just trying to get you to see that that's really what Christmas is about. It's God's response to the fact that we've messed up. Guys, Christmas reminds us that God loves us and cares about us regardless of the sins that we've committed, regardless of the mistakes that we've made. So no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel like you failed, please know that God wants to be in relationship with you. You know, that's, we deserve to die. But Jesus Christ got up from his seat in heaven, he set aside his deity, he came to this earth as the baby in the manger. That's the Christmas story. Why? So that he could live a life without sin. The Bible tells us in several places that he never sinned. And then he willingly went to the cross. Not for his sins, he never died. He never sinned but for your sins and for my sins. He died to pay the price so that we could be forgiven and declared not guilty. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow your heads and I'm gonna turn this over to the campus pastors so that they can lead you through the opportunity in this Christmas season to invite Christ into your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I certainly don't wanna do anything to embarrass anyone but in this Christmas season, my friends, if you're not certain that you're on your way to heaven, if you're not certain that you've invited Christ into your life, I want to give you that opportunity today. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. 
This is just between you, me, and God. But if you say, Steve, I'm just not sure. Well, I want to pray for you. So I'm not going to ask you to stand, but I'm going to simply ask you to raise your hand. And once I see your hand, you can put it down. Just raise a hand and say, Steve, pray for me, please. I'm not sure. I don't want to be sure. Anyone at all? And it's dark in here, so make sure I see it. Please wave at me. about in the balcony and there's two in the very middle you can put those down anybody else in the balcony you're not sure but you want to be sure today yes you can put that down I see it right in the back top balcony anyone you know the Bible says that today's the day not next week and not next month today it's your call. You, you can either accept or reject whatever you want to do, but you need to decide what are you going to do. Anyone else? Are you sure? Then with every head bowed and every eye closed, there were three of you that raised your hand. I'm going to ask just those three to look at me, no one else. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. What I'm going to do is pray a prayer out loud. And if you meant business with God, I'm going to ask you to simply repeat this prayer to yourself silently. And I promise you that as you do, not only will he forgive you, but he'll come into your life as your Savior and Lord. So as I pray out loud, just repeat it to yourself silently. Dear Jesus, I know I failed you. I know I've sinned against you. I ask you, God, to forgive me all of my sins, to come into my life as my Savior and as my Lord. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. And now, Lord, I commit the rest of my life to following you in Jesus' name. Well, Father, I thank you and I praise you for those three that prayed that prayer. And I ask, God, that you'd make yourself real to them like never before. Help them to know that their sins have been forgiven, past, present, and even into the future, that you died once for all mankind's sins. And God, if there's anybody that just wasn't quite ready, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to whisper in their ear. Help them to know that they matter to you. Help them to know that you absolutely love them and want to be in relationship with them. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and we praise you for who you are and for all that you did for each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, amen.